But I think that those like experiences just doing tarot with strangers in suits at Oracle Open World like made me realize that tarot could kind of be for anyone, even if someone has no experience with it. And that a lot of issues like why people don't necessarily get into tarot is because it is really wrapped up in witchiness. And so I'm trying to like build a platform that's not, it's witch inclusive, but it's not like all witchy. Hey, Sheree. Hey, Han. I can't wait for who we have on the show today. She is one of the funniest people I know. I'm so excited. So am I. I mean, it is not very often that you meet someone who is both a prankster, a meme maker, and a deal maker, and does all of them like exceptionally well. We're talking about the exceptional human, Danielle Baskin. She is literally a person who like takes multi-hyphenate to an entirely other level. She's done crazy jokes on the whole Silicon Valley, which feels like a double entendre. Like she's literally made a fake toothbrush sharing startup to mock ride sharing and the whole catastrophe that that can be. She made investor trading cards. She also built a fake company that was selling sweaters for drones and she made Elizabeth Holmes costumes, which feel still relevant. But her serious <laughs> stuff is actually like where, where the like OMG you did that really comes into play. She built Inkwell helmets, which was like hand painted bike helmets that she did like first as a hobby. And then like it blew up. She also built dial up, which is a voice based social app. And today on today's episode, she, we're going to talk about her latest venture, Moonlight, which is a tarot app. And we're going to talk about the moment shit got real for Danielle and her latest adventure. Danielle, we are so excited to have you here today. Tell us, please, what is the moment for you recently where something just got real? So uh, there's a story where things got real, probably when I was kicked out of um, Oracle, the software conference. Which wasn't recent. This actually happened, well, like every year for four consecutive years. Um, but the first time it ever happened, um, that I think that was my first time like getting escorted out by security. So you've been sneaking into the Oracle conference for the last four years? Why? When I first moved to San Francisco, I felt like, um, I don't know, I would I would sort of like mock the how... <laughs> how much tech there was like, you know, there's so many like SAS billboards and like so many conferences here. And uh, there was this giant, um, these giant letters that said Oracle, of course, I know what, you know, Oracle, like the software company. And as someone who's actually into mysticism and the concept of an Oracle, I just mm. like saw these signs and I was like, the Oracles are coming to town. <laughs> Um, and I just told this to my friends, like, oh, wow, are you going to go to the Oracle conference and, and meet some, some soothsayers? And there was, there was signage everywhere. Cause it's like a 40,000 person conference. Um, and, uh, of course I knew that this would just be a very boring conference, but then I thought, oh, what if I staged a conference called Oracle open world, like exact same name and made it seem like a conference for people doing uh, different divination techniques that happened at the exact same place and time. So I got the domain name oracleopenworld.org and they, they have the .com and I like made tickets available and <laughs> just started sharing it all over. 
Uh, but like gave people the exact address as Moscone Center and um, told people, because I'm actually interested in different divination techniques, I told everyone coming that it wasn't simply a, like a joke, like actually research something related to divination, like pick up a book on I Ching, learn tarot, and we're going to practice. Um, and we're going to ignore the other conference that's happening and pretend like we have no idea what that is. So... Uh, yeah, the first time we did this, like all these people showed up in capes. Um, I made fake badges for everyone and went in in like different groups and kind of dispersed ourselves um, and stayed for like four hours. Wow. Um, and that was such an incredible conference because <laughs> we really like went up to random people there who like probably didn't want to be there no so one really wants question to for you yes. while you talk about yeah. this yeah. so like the show is it just got real and this is a got real moment so I would just love to understand yeah. a little bit more like why did you decide to do this oh thing? I love trespassing into things like this is a like a thrill I'm I sort of like need to every so often um I like messing with reality specifically conferences but also like I don't know interesting buildings and stuff I just like to figure out the puzzle of sort of bypassing security to get somewhere. Simultaneously, I uh, did like want to meet other people like into divination and I did want to like, you know, sort of make fun of Oracle software. There are a lot of different forces together. I also didn't know if anyone would show up and like, I wasn't entirely certain of my idea. I never know if my pranks are like just something that I find funny or other people would. But I still was like, I have to, I have to do it. And uh, I, I was at the time, like I had been, you know, reading tarot for many years, but this is the first time I had, like, I, you know, usually do tarot parties or with friends and stuff like that. But this would be the first time that I am like going up to people in suits and giving them tarot readings um, and giving people like tarot readings before they'd go on a panel. Well, of people in suits on a panel and you doing tarot is like very loud for me. I'm going to turn to Hannah, but I just had to say the visual of me thinking of this is a lot. Okay. So I'm dying to know what happens because this has been like such an amazing preamble to your moment. Surely there's something that must have really stood out. Yeah. Were, right. I think the thing that was really crazy about this was how into tarot the people there were. Uh, I, you know, it was supposed to be this whole joke, but I actually ended up in very long conversations with some people talking about like their relationship with their kids or like their boss that like always like um, cuts them off uh, during meetings. Wow. And people were just telling me about real shit they were experiencing at work. Okay. And so were they telling you this real shit like after you gave them the tarot reading and then they were like, oh my God, yes, this happens or kind of before the reading. So what we were all doing is we were just like finding individuals and saying like, I'm an oracle. Would you like to, um, would you like to sort of discuss what's going on in your life? I think by like sort of acting in this sort of theatrical way, people like at first thought this was this funny joke and we would pull them aside and take them to like a quiet area or like lounge area with um I don't know they have these like networking chairs chairs that you sit in specifically when you're going to network yeah like at conferences like musical like chairs but for networking yeah they're like uncomfortable like little um wait do they have like little like tags on them like I'm a networking chair the chairs ergonomically designed for networking like are they different than regular chairs I think there's like a sponsor for the networking zones. Like they have like these sort of fake plants and they're sort of like cube chairs and like phone chargers. And it'll be like Delo like the Deloitte 
cozy zone or something like that. Oh my God. <laughs> so we go into like, yeah, we go to like maybe delight cozy zone and sit in chairs. And I, I sort of, you know, take off my act and I'm like, just, oh, I'm, I just ask them like, what's been going on in your life? Like, what are, what are some things that you feel like you want more clarity on? Um, and if they respond in a jokey way, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> like, really, what do you want to talk about? Like, I'm here to discuss things going on in your life. Cause some people will be like, when will I die? You know, which is like, kind of like, um, things that you would sort of stereotypically ask like a fortune teller. Right. Like, no, right. tell me about something that's re- really been weighing on you lately. And I think that they have already entered that magic circle and they're, you know, not near their coworkers and stuff. So they feel like they could really, you know, say whatever's on their mind. And this happened multiple times. And the other, the other people who also joined as oracles reported this too, that people would would tell them about relationship stuff, about like, I don't know, some fear that as their son is this has happened to me, like someone saying as their son is getting older, they feel like they can't communicate as well. And she kind of is worried about like sort of losing touch with him. And then lots of work stuff too, lots of like interpersonal relationship things. And I sort of, I think like, I realized in that moment how awesome, like I was always into tarot but I thought it's so cool that this like simple, like we're just like looking at images on cards and I'm wearing a cape that the, these simple acts of sort of, entering a magical space make people really like reveal what's on their mind and then like we could have a whole conversation for 20 minutes and then they have more clarity and have like you know some they have often given the advice to themselves like that's just my style of tarot reading um but like I don't know they that's (laughs) something deeply beneficial but what's what is funny and this will lead to me be getting escorted out is uh there ended up being a really long line to get tarot readings. Of course, there was a long line. That's what I was going to say next. I was like, I bet people thought that you were there on purpose and yeah, wanted I to think, come get this, right? Um, I explained to people that I just like snuck in. like, And then they thought that was kind of funny. I, I told them I wasn't like selling them anything. That I was just treating this like the Oracle conference and that we're having our own conference and we're just practicing divination. But um people would get a reading and then like tell someone else. And then there were all these people searching for the people with the capes to get like different divination techniques done. And not everyone did tarot. Some people did like eaching. Some people did like paper crumbling and reading the the lines and the creases. Like there are all these different things happening, but people were seeking us out. And when there was finally a long line to get a reading with me in one of these cozy zones, then uh like this this was very visible on the security cameras <laughs> there was like something unusual happening there's a line and there's someone wearing a cape and a hat and like what they didn't pay for a booth there was this message sent to all the security guards to like gather the people wearing the capes um <laughs> and they explained to us that like they were told that um like we couldn't that we were they thought we were selling something they thought we were like you know unpaid or we, that we didn't pay for a booth and we were doing guerrilla marketing, which we were not. But when I was talking to all the other people who participated in our conference, I just thought, oh, like divination is cooler than I even thought. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. We got, we finally got kicked out. We got a, we got four solid hours of just like talking to people about real things going on in their life, which would not normally happen there. Tell us more about 
you were just saying that you got so much out of the divination conference that you held. And mm-hmm. Sheree and I know that you're very good at sort of getting into spaces and creating something in there, like what you did for, uh, was did you get like someone to serve a cocktail to a drone wearing a sweater at a bar once? <laughs> I did, yeah. I put, Birthday, when I put like, my you drone, on, very, drone on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, you seem very good at this. So I, I, yeah. we'd love to know more about how did the other participants of this Oracle conference that you put on interact and what did you learn from them? Yeah, the participants that were on, that were part of our conference, I did a lot of prep stuff with them sort of to, um, when I do sort of pranks and jokes, I don't want it to be simply like for the for the lols because I feel like you could go a step deeper and actually affect people. So I didn't want people to treat um, uh, being an oracle as purely a gimmick. I wanted people to genuinely try just so they can like experience it for themselves. And so on our signup form on the website, of course, yeah, I made a website that looked like a whole conference. I had a list of like the keynote speakers. I made up names and stuff like that. Uh, I sent people long emails about like what we're really doing after they signed up. And then I had everyone kind of like gather before we went in. So we had like a mini meeting to discuss like how the day would go. Um, and I think that really like helps because otherwise it could have been seen as purely like a, um, purely like a pun or a sort of anti-oracle thing. Um, but we took it a step further and got to actually practice, have a conference. So. I think what's interesting to me about like all that you're sharing is just this juxtaposition between you having a feeling that's very inside, but you being like a technologist and a person who can think about things at scale and how you took something that like, in my opinion, is very internal. I won't say in my opinion, but I think a lot of people think of things like divination mm-hmm. as like an internal thing. Mm-hmm. And for you to take it like, oh, this is a moment I had. Now, this is a moment I'm sharing. Now, this is actually a thing I think I could scale in an industry where like, this is not what people are talking about at all. Oh, Yeah. Um, I think I've always, I think since sort of weaving different divination techniques into my life and doing it with friends and stuff, I like know that it's beneficial for a lot of people, but like people wouldn't want to touch it because it's like has a lot of negative stigma. That's a perfect segue. I wanted to ask you about how you got into this in the first place, because also it plays a much larger role in your life now. And I'm not sure that everybody who's listening to the cast knows what you're up to today. And we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. The company I have founded um, a year ago now uh, is uh, called Moonlight, which is a virtual, it is a social tarot platform. Uh, So it is a place to do um, sort of do multiplayer tarot with other people. Uh, And it's also used by professionals for running their sessions and then just like friends hanging out with tarot because you could, you have video, you got shared cards. There's also like a ton of, we have many decks um, all like with their own artist notes and stuff. So it's a way to explore the artwork. Uh, It's sort of open to like many different, um, many different relationships with tarot. Um, You know, you could use it as just like a creative tool or like use it for inspiration for design. You could have, you know, you have team standups in there. <laughs> you could also use it for like long, deep conversations and you could use it uh, in like a spiritual way or not spiritual way. So it's kind of sandboxy. That's what I work on full time, which was like a journey to turn it into a company because it was always like a side interest. 
um, mm-hmm. up until like uh, I realized how many people wanted more tools for tarot. Um, but I think that those like experiences just doing tarot with strangers in suits at Oracle Open World like made me realize that tarot could kind of be for anyone even if someone has no experience with it and that a lot of issues like why people don't necessarily get into tarot is because it is really wrapped up in witchiness and so I'm trying to like Mm. build a platform that's not it's witch inclusive but it's not like all witchy. I've never heard the term witch inclusive before, but <laughs> I <Same>. absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah. I think about it being witch inclusive, but not witchy all, all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I remember when you pitched this to me, I can't believe it was a year ago now. And I was like, oh, that is, that is a fantastic idea. And it it felt like it was just born so naturally out of your previous yeah. dial up where yeah. people had had these really intimate connections with each other. Mm-hmm. And now you're giving them a tool to have a connection over, but still in that really like flexible environment, like you say, Mm -hmm. it could be be anything. How did you get into tarot and uh, being witch inclusive in the first place? (laughs) I think like as a teenager, I was just like interested in witchy things and doing ritual and doing witchy rituals with friends in like a playful way. I think like a lot of teenagers are, and it's like not that serious, but you're just kind of attracted to the aesthetics and like turning off lights and and putting on a candle and trying to communicate with spirits. I had uh, this idea when I was uh, 19 and um, to paint a whole deck of tarot cards on 78 helmets and then distribute them around mm. New York so that you could like get a reading by someone passing you on your bike. Love that. This and is the, the Inkwell helmets, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. called Inkwell helmets, uh, which I actually ran for like 10 years. They're beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, they're uh, they're they took. Su- it's a terrible business because they took such a long time to paint, and you can only charge so much money for a bicycle helmet. Right. Like paintings, flat paintings on walls. You can scale the price with the level of intricacy. A helmet's a helmet. So <laughs> it wasn't a good business, but I like loved the concept of people having portable artwork on them. And as I was painting the helmets, I sort of um, would really study each card and like atta- I would attach like my interpretation of the card onto the oh. helmet because um, I had to like map it out. And the, I, I did this weird system with like, like left brain, right brain, because it was a brain shaped thing. So I made that like unconscious conscious. <laughs> I And then I like wrote why I put elements on different sides. I was trying to sell them for like, I don't know, I think $200 each, which was like a lot of money in 2008. That was really hard. But instead of selling them for a lot of people, I got tarot lessons in exchange. So I had like three different tarot teachers. And then, I don't know, people would give me tarot readings. Like we just did barters. Um books, whatever, tarot decks. And because of having a bunch of different tarot teachers, I felt like I, that really like accelerated me getting into it. It took a lot of time for me to be comfortable just like doing readings for other people, maybe a few years. But it's been, uh, yeah, one of, maybe my like longest standing interest. Um, and something that I, my, rela- my relationship uh, with it has definitely deepened year after year. So I feel like this is super interesting. And I think it could be easy for someone to look at like this whole journey that you've had as like, oh, Danielle's just this super smart, like magical person. And of course she's like thought of all these things, but in each 
part of your journey, there was like experimentation, yeah. you were testing the market, you were like ideating the product. And like, even in you landing at this business, this wasn't like, now I'm the founder of this because I thought of it now. Like this is like a decades long. Oh yeah. It was also, also I got to witness one of my tarot teachers was a tarot reader in second life in 2008. And I went, I'd go to her house or her, uh, like this tiny studio apartment in union square, New York. The first time I went there, she had, uh, kind of, it was like a retro looking computer, I guess. I mean, she thought like she had this, this PC and it had second life with like her beachside tarot house. And she was explaining to me about how she runs her virtual tarot business, which is not, was not that common then. Uh, so that's like been in my head for all those years, like me having wow. like a long conversation with her about like doing tarot readings for people all over the world and the types of questions people would ask. I did so many different things with tarot throughout the years that like led to me building Moonlight. It wasn't like a sudden, oh, there's a gap in the marketplace for tarot. And I'm a little interested. I like have, I've met so many tarot readers and I sort of like, understand the issues of them running their businesses. I understand like the like toxic tarot culture on TikTok. And I understand like the scam issues on Instagram. And um, I also, uh, during the pandemic, while working on dial-up, I connected people to give each other tarot readings on the phone. So lots of different tarot related things. I feel like that is a red thread anytime we talk to founders that their companies are never born out of like some type of lightning flash idea. Like yeah. I'm going to go do this thing now. No, no. It's always like a space that they have just been sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into like over the past decade to amass that type of knowledge that you have today. Absolutely. And I also didn't even know exactly what my product would be when I first, mm. like I had so many different ideas for things to build for people into tarot and it sort of felt I think building the company really felt like working on a sculpture or something like it felt like chiseling. Like I knew that there was like something in the core, but I kept like chiseling away pieces and then showing it to people and then seeing what they see in it. And like, can you tell what this is? Ah. And then like chiseling it more. So. And what has like, has there been something that has emerged from the, the core of that sculptural stone, so to speak? Yeah, our initial product is super sandboxy. You could sort of play, it's not prescriptive. You can sort of play with tarot however you want. And like something I didn't realize is uh, how many people are, how many people are seeking tarot classes that are like kind of specific, like how to use, how to like do tarot for fiction writing or something like that, mm. or like how to, um, how to give tarot readings without um, without gendered uh, archetypes. Uh, there's lots of different um, things people are like teaching within Moonlight uh, that I did not think of it as a class, as a platform for classes. I thought it was for like one-on-one -on -one sessions. So that's something like cool that has emerged. Um, and then also I think like something that I, I built it for people who are already into tarot um, but people who have never played with tarot at all, who are just attracted to the design of the site and the fonts and the art are like, this seems cool. And then they're like doing tarot for the first time and realizing, oh, this has like immediately like catalyzed some idea just by pulling a single archetype. I'm like, oh, great. You get it. But I didn't design it to teach you. I think these are some realizations that like, there's a lot of people who want to get into tarot. 
on that note, I have to ask, have you been able to invite any of the suits from Oracle Open World into the Moonlight platform? I didn't. Oh, the people I gave readings to? Yes. I didn't get any of their, I didn't get any of their personal information. Like this was, my relationships with those people were so ephemeral. That's an opportunity for a wait list for next year's Oracle conference. Yes. Oh, it'd be really funny to like sponsor, sponsor an actual booth at the, um, at the Oracle. I think that's genius and you should write it down. (laughs) If you don't have a notion, it should be in your notion. I actually think that tarot could be really useful for companies. Tell us more. Because I do tarot all the time now, uh, like multiple readings per day. When I'm meeting people, when I'm talking with my team, I pull cards for design decisions. I use it in such a casual way that always just helps me think of new ideas. And I think that there's a lot of perception that tarot is for like big life questions like you. You consult a tarot reader when you don't know if you should take a job or, you, or you're or you like, I don't know about the future of this relationship. And of course, tarot is useful for that. But for like really small business decisions or thinking about like, what do we want if you're you know working on a new product feature? What do we, how do we want people to feel when we release this? What are things we should be worried about? Like you can design a whole spread that is like the arc of creating something within a company or discussing how should I, what should my persona be when I have, when I, where I'm at this meeting today, there's a lot of tiny things you can use tarot for that just like gets you thinking of like, oh, didn't think of that. So I would, I would love people just to use it like on their team. A dream is to one day have like a, like an enterprise plan on Moonlight so that companies could like get like tarot subscriptions for the team and like, you know, people could get tarot readings or they could just like use tarot for unlimited amount of time with within their corporation. So. Wow. (laughs) I absolutely love that. And I would so take a class on learning how to do this on the Moonlight platform. Yeah. One day, maybe by the time the podcast is out. There's just so many gems in everything that you said. I use the I Ching. Do you know the I Ching? The book. Oh Ching? yeah. I love I Ching. Do you, so do you, you like throw coins? Yes. I throw coins and I used to do it for big life decisions. Yeah. Now I kind of do it like as a daily practice. So like that. Oh, really- you do it daily. That's cool. Yeah. I love those 64 archetypes. Like I think they all have like good nuggets of wisdom in them. I have a, an I Ching tarot deck, which is, has its own interpretation book, which is really beautiful. I got it. Um, there's an artist in Japan that made it. I have the, actually have a really funny book called I Ching for Business. What? Wait, I'm going to, it happens to just be on my table. Um, so I'm showing you. Um, this is if you're listening to this, it's from the 80s. And it has the, the cover of this book has like this sky and all these staircases and people with briefcases and suit walking up the staircases. <laughs> They're on this journey. This book is really funny. I, I play with this ironically, but there's good nuggets of wisdom in here. Before doing Moonlight, I actually sold a, I sold a company that was like a side company that uh, was a mask making company. When I was navigating the sale of that business, I used this book because I was just like curious what advice it would give me. Uh, and there was really clear advice to do nothing. Like I was at a sort of decision point where I guess like a lot was contingent on me sending an email. But I did nothing and then listened to the advice in the book. I was like, I'm just not going to send this. And then I like got some other other surprise offer, which is something that I wanted. <laughs> I think the sale of my company to the I Ching book. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's the show. That's, That's it. literally it. 
That is an incredible note I, to end I on. I will tell people listening though that I don't I don't like I think you should always like it is just one perspective. You cannot make your you cannot make major decisions on tarot or reaching. It is a thing to consider. I like the disclaimer. If you're feeling, this yeah, like disclaimer, disclaimer. Don't base all your decisions on a random thing you get from any divination reading. It is purely a way to get you to think about possibilities. But if you're feeling like, you know, it could go either way, whatever, I'm just going to try and see what happens. If you're feeling experimental, then it's kind of fun to be like, yeah, I'll just do what it says. Love that. Love yeah, that. That's my disclaimer. Danielle, you are so wonderful at opening people's minds up to possibilities. It comes through your work and through your art. And I think ending on that is actually the perfect way to end this episode. You were amazing and special and everything that we want people to listen to this show know you can be like all of those things. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Danielle, like this, this, that was so fun. Like talking to her, just hearing just how her epiphanies come and just like just the very special way in which she creates. It was like talking to a freaking wizard. Like I loved every second of it. And I hope all of you listening like gain something about like literally just building things that you thoroughly enjoy and how doing that while being thoughtful um, can really create magic, not just for you, but like for for all of us that that need some whimsy, um, but also things that like work and make sense. So I'm just excited to see where Moonlight goes, what Danielle continues to create. And it's just just such a joy that we were able to have her. And thank you, Han, for like bringing her into the show. Thank you so much, Danielle. So um, for today's episode's record scratch, I don't know if y'all have heard this, but an interesting thing has been happening in LA recently, an ongoing thing with a sea otter. And this sea otter has been stealing surfers' surfboards. Not only has she been stealing them, and oh yes, it is a she, but the surfers that have tried to fight her to get them back have really not wound up very well, and authorities haven't been able to catch the sea otter yet. It's like, have you ever heard of something like this ever happening? I have so many questions. Like, sea otters don't have hands. Like, like I'm just already at, the whole time you're sharing this, I'm trying to imagine a sea otter. And I'm like, I know my flora and my fauna and my animals. Like I, I know these things. Little biology self is like picturing a sea otter. I thought they were small. I thought they, and maybe I'm thinking of a beaver, but like in my head, they don't have hands. Like my, I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, I think they have like little have hands, but they're supposed to be like cute. Right. And this one is like, and she's like, like getting all up in there and like taking them. And, and every, taking them with her mouth. I think with her, I think with her mouth. Yeah. And like, they, like, there's been all these articles, like sea otter evades capture again. And like sea otters in Santa Monica Bay stealing this. And she's like taking them away and like putting, like stockpiling them. She's like getting all the surfboards for herself and hoarding them. And like, obviously they like, you know, they're like, oh, this is dangerous. (laughs) We need to capture her. I'm just just still at the mechanic. I'm still at the (laughs) I'm still at the, like, so then I'm like, all right, maybe their jaws are really strong and she can swim away with them. But then I'm like, surfboard, like, I can barely pick up a surfboard. How does the sea otter 
moved like they're little aren't they little i don't know i mean like maybe they're bigger than we thought but like what's definitely the otter harassing surfers is like is a topic right now okay sea otter somehow has super sea otter strength adult sea otters may grow up to five feet in length and can weigh like 80 to 100 pounds so they're not that small yeah like a short man like that's (laughs) (laughs) that's like a teenager yeah that's like a teenager and they have like sea otter knowledge clearly is low and i think maybe i've been confusing them with beavers (laughs) (laughs) yeah beavers are smaller but also vicious I mean, as a Canadian here, I know, I know my, I know my beavers. They are um, also not an animal you want to get into a fight with. But yeah, I just think this is hilarious because well, also, it's, it's like, just, first of all, when does this happen? But also that it's like a girl sea otter doing it. I kind of love like, that it's a girl. I kinda, like, I kind of secretly, secretly love this. <laughs> like that she's just like now. I'm like thinking of her as this like revolutionary like activist sea otter that's like stealing surfer bros like I just have a vision of her now like I'm just imagining her like in the ocean just like taking down one bro at a time like through you know like I, I think, why are you here yo this has been my bay forever like get out yeah, I'm gonna she, take your board <laughs> I love this for her I actually love this for her I probably sound like the orca people who are also like I'm also pro orca ramming the boat so I feel like this is in the same I think the animals are fed up is actually what this means. Like you've got the sea otters, you've got the orcas who are just like, we've also had enough. I think the little COVID reprieve where the animals had their homes to themselves. Mm. I think they've all now like, now that's like front and center. And they remember that like there was once a time when we didn't have to deal with these people. And Mm. I think they're, they're retaliating. They've, they've, they're reclaiming. And I'm not, I'm not mad at that actually. I mean, the LA Times said that apparently she has evaded both uh, land and underwater techniques. So not only not only does she have an agenda, but she's sneaky. I love this for her. I, too, want to be a surfboard stealing sea otter. I didn't know this was an ambition, but but now now it's here. It's here. No, it's here. It's here now. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, man. We need it. We need whoever was listening. We need this is. This is knowledge we needed. We needed to know this. <laughs> oh, we needed, and thank you for so many amazing laughs on today's show. This was just so much fun from beginning to end. If any of you want to follow Danielle and her work, which is incredible, you can do so on Twitter or I guess it's X at DJ Baskin, or you can also check out her website, DanielleBaskin.com. Um, I'm sure she is going to have many incredible updates to Moonlight, which I highly recommend you sign up for if you're at all interested in checking out some really just gorgeous graphics and a social way of of, of playing tarot, check out, you know, what she's going to have up her sleeve next for us, because I'm sure there will be something new to laugh at very soon. If you love this episode to tag us on socials, share it with your homies. Um, we're really excited about the way this season's going. We'll see you back next week for another episode of it just got real. 